In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. Six, four, Welcome to your Thursday edition of the 643 Podcast with yours truly, Dylan Shorts. Brought to you by the Dickie Broadcasting Company and 680 The Fan. If you want to follow along all of your other favorite hosts from the Dickie Broadcasting Company, just go to thepodcastpark.com. You will see a long list of podcasts from all of the hosts, not just from 680, but also from Extra 106.3 and all of the other Station host, whether it's on air town or producers, pretty much everybody at this point has a podcast. Go to the podcastpark.com uh, or your favorite podcasting platforms. Like and subscribe so you can get kept up to date whenever your favorite hosts drop a new episode. So, Braves and Mets uh, started out being a really, really good series. Unfortunately, yesterday didn't go quite as, as planned. Game three gets uh, the Braves dropped game three, nine to seven, and the game started by Max Scherzer. Uh, Max Scherzer versus Jake Odorizzi. When you just saw that matchup, you pretty much thought that um, it was Max Scherzer's to lose. There was a little rain delay early, just like there was really for a lot of the games so far this series. Um, not long enough to to get Max Scherzer out of the game as he ends up going six and a third. He allows six hits. Braves did get four runs off of him. Uh, three hits, I should say. Three hits, four earned runs, three walks. And that was the big difference. He did have his eight strikeouts. You know Scherzer's going to have his strikeouts. Uh, but the Braves did some really good work against Adam Onovino. It didn't do enough, though, as Jake Odorizzi allowed three homers and then another home run by Kirby Yates a little bit later into the game and ended up being 9-7. That wasn't really the story of yesterday. I love that the Braves came back twice. <clears throat> that was That was pretty nice. You don't expect to really get a chance to come back much when you're playing a guy like Max Scherzer. You kind of think that they jump to a lead, if they jump to a three, four run lead at one point, it was, I think at one point it was six to nothing, uh, either six, nothing or six, one. Yeah. At one point it was six to one in the seventh inning at in the, by the time the bottom of the seventh started, it was six to one Mets. And at that point you just kind of assume, all right, game's over with. Uh, really, when it was four to nothing with Scherzer on the bump, you're probably thinking, "All right, this game's over." Mets ended up with 14 hits for their nine runs. Braves ended up with seven for their seven runs. Uh, did have an error on Robbie Gross a little bit later, but the Braves' offense give them a lot of credit. They bought, they fought their way back. They made a game of it twice. Unfortunately, that's where things went a little haywire. As with it being a one-run game heading into the ninth inning. Walt Weiss, who was being the manager for Brian Snicker, who'd gotten ejected earlier in the game for arguing what he thought was a bad call against Austin Riley. Now, was it a bad call? I don't know. 
it technically shaved the zone, so I guess technically you could call it a strike. It hadn't really been one consistently throughout the game. Sometimes it was, sometimes it wasn't. I don't really know. Max Scherzer was getting a fair bit of help yesterday. I don't know. Graded out like it was a decent performance, but when you watched it, it didn't didn't feel like it was a very consistent strike zone at all. Uh, but whatever the case, Brian Snicker got ran early on. I believe it was like the fifth inning or something like that. He got ran, so Walt Weiss took over. And... You didn't get a lot. You got five innings from Jake Odorizzi, who came out after the 30-minute rain delay and actually performed much better after the rain delay. Uh, we'll get into a little bit more on Odorizzi in a second, but just kind of explaining what happened. Matza got a clean inning. Yates gave up a homer. Uh, but by the time you had Dylan Lee come through there, and by the time you got to the ninth inning, you were only down a run because Robbie Grossman hit a three-run jack off of Adam Ottavino, who a guy that, by the way, hit that off a of righty as he's got a 1,000 OPS right now. He's crushing righty since coming over from Detroit. Just looks like another outstanding deadline move by Alex Anthopoulos. Unfortunately, they went with Jackson Stevens in a run in a one-run game. And Jackson Stevens went a third of an inning, gave up three runs off of three hits. Freddie Tarnock got his debut after, the fa- after that. He allowed one of the runs from Jackson Stevens to score. But if you were upset or confused, you weren't the only one. They asked... Brian Snicker after the game about it and he'd said that he wasn't going he's not going to use Kinley Jansen unless the game is tied or the Braves are leading that he's just not going to use Jansen if they're down at all I I I don't understand that um but also that doesn't really like matter because you still had AJ Minter and Rysel Iglesias that you could have used or Colin McHugh uh instead you went to your lowest leverage righty and then you went to a guy making his debut um, I don't know if that's on Snit or if that's on Weiss. I have a feeling it's probably on Weiss. I think I think Weiss probably has enough trust to go and operate the games how he would want to operate. Uh, never forget that there's a reason why Walt Weiss is not a uh, is not a manager in baseball right now. Well, he's a bench coach. Um, I'm just I I just I don't understand this. I don't understand this thought process in a Max Scherzer game where you've fought and clawed your way all the way back to have a shot to go up three games to none and cut the division lead to two and a half games knowing you're facing Jacob deGrom today. I don't understand turning to your two lowest leverage relievers in that situation. Down one run. Knowing that if you stay at one run... They've got to use Edwin Diaz for another inning, which would probably make him unavailable for today. But instead, you went with Jackson Stevens and Freddie Tarnock. Three runs score. The Mets are able to pull Edwin Diaz. And, well, you did almost come back again in the ninth. But because of that, you're going to face Edwin Diaz in a save situation today if there's a save situation. Now, I know it's not a given that it's going to be a save situation with Jacob deGrom being on the bump. But that was that was really badly managed. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna crush Snicker because to be fair, it's a Max Scherzer start, and you got four runs off of Max Scherzer. You feel like you should win games where you score four off of Max Scherzer because he just doesn't do it that often. You had an opportunity, and unfortunately, you didn't take advantage of it. Um, not often you're gonna win games when the top four in your lineup all go over um, and are only on base once and the only time they were on base was Ronald Acuna getting a walk not too many games you're gonna win like that as the Braves had I mentioned the Braves had seven hits William Contreras and Vaughn Grissom accounted for five of those um by the way Vaughn Grissom with three ribbies scored another two runs 
go ahead and give him that extension. Um, just not what I want to I'm gonna be really honest. That's kind of disappointing. I was really hoping that you could find a way to steal that game, knowing it's DeGrom going today. To the Mets' credit, when you line up Scherzer and DeGrom, it's tough to beat those two. They're two of the best pitchers in baseball, and, and you feel good anytime you match up. If you're the Mets, you feel good with that no matter what else you got. But it wasn't just that. The Braves have had a lot of guys making debuts this season. Well, the Mets decided to copy the Braves, and they gave Brett Beatty uh, his first start. He went one for four, but that one hit was a bomb or was a home run, kind of bounced off the top of the wall, but got a home run off of Kirby Yates. Uh, pretty or Was it off of Yates or Odorizzi? I can't remember who it was off of. Uh, second inning. So, yeah, it was off of Odorizzi. One of, it was the last homer that Odorizzi gave up. Uh, and then Starling Marte hit his off of Kirby Yates. Starling Marte with two homers yesterday for the Mets. Um, not what I wanted to see. So I, I didn't go to bed angry. I did. It was a little exasperating hearing that line of logic. And I really shouldn't be surprised. We all know that's how Brian Snicker operates. But it is one of those things that, like, a game like last night, it really rears its head. Because that's a game that, that was eminently winnable or it sets you up better for today. Because even if you had gone with Minter or Iglesias or, or Colin McHugh and it had stayed a one or two run game, it had stayed a save situation, Edwin Diaz is coming back out for the ninth inning there. And unfortunately, you gave Buck Showalter an out. He was going to burn Edwin Diaz in a two-inning save because he didn't want to fall down three games to none, and the Braves had, had been busy coming back and made it a one-run game. And I get it. It's easier to, to win off of Adam Ottavino or Trevor May than it is Edwin Diaz, but you had a chance to burn Edwin Diaz where he probably wouldn't be available today. They'd already used a lot of relievers the last couple of days. You had a chance to get really into their pin. Uh, and unfortunately... You, you went with your worst relievers in those situations, and it came back to bite you that way. So we'll see what happens today. It could be all me moot. If, if Jacob deGrom decides that he's going to be Jacob deGrom and you're not going to score off of him, um, then it could possibly end up being a moot point anyway. But just, I didn't think it was very smart when, if you had just used any of your high leverage relievers, you had a chance to, there, there was no bad outcome for you at that point. Um, just, but that was that's one of those areas with Snicker that I'm just never going to agree with. Uh, I, I don't I, I don't like that philosophy. Uh, I think that that's a defeating prophecy, and and that's um, there's a difference when we talk about there's a difference between postseason snit and regular season snit. That's that's the main difference there. Postseason you're going all out anyway because it's just a little sprint. So like when you talk about well you know the way he manages in the regular season makes them better in the postseason. Not really. It's because in the postseason, you're just not going to mess with using the low leverage relievers unless you have a big lead or you're down by a lot. It's going to be your high leverage guys no matter what. I wish you'd operate a little bit like that in the regular season, but I know it's not going to happen, so there's no point getting angry about it. There were some really good things that have happened since Tuesday that I want to talk about because I don't want this to be a down in the dumps pod. I want this to be a, I want this to end on an uplifting note. So before I get into the really nice stuff, Ronald Acuna, I'm just going to say this out. There were some people, because Ronald got caught stealing twice yesterday. He's been caught three times in the last two games. And there's people trying to make a big deal like, oh, Ronald cost the team because, you know, Dansby versus Adam Ottavino. You know, Dansby would have for sure drove him in. That's a – take a look at who's saying that. Um, it's not smart people. It's not people you generally need to take baseball advice from. Uh, it's a lot of people that don't actually watch the games and just like to scout box scores and don't even – take a look to make sure which pitcher started the game before they make those those um, those claims. Um, yeah, Ronald got hosed. 
uh, off of Adam Ottavino, who's notoriously slow to the plate. The outfield was playing back because the, the Braves were now only down a run. Dance beat the plate, who's three for nine against Ottavino, uh, with two extra base hits, a double, and a homer. The, the reason I'm okay with it, one, there is no rule about making the last out at second base. As a matter of fact, that's when you want to be aggressive on that because if Ronald makes it, he's scoring on any base hit. The outfield is playing deep, which means it's not likely that Dansby's hitting into the wall, and it's really not likely that even Ronald is scoring from first base. So, yeah, you be aggressive there. If you get hosed, guess what? You still have Dansby and Austin Riley and Matt Olson lined up to start the next inning. You feel like Dansby can be a leadoff guy anyway. He's fast enough to where if, if Riley gaps one, then he could score from first or whatever. You figure if you have to take on Edwin Diaz the next inning, that it's best to have your two, three, four guys up. There was no reason not to attempt to steal the thing that happened. One, it was just a perfect throw by James McCann. Uh, one of the one of the quote unquote caught stealings was a wild pitch that bounced off the bricks right back to the catcher and just kind of left Ronald out to dry. That one's just tough luck. The other two, those were perfect throws by James McCann. To give credit to James McCann, he's actually pretty slow in his pop times, so it's easy to see why Ronald's been so aggressive. And I know he's been caught what seven of his last fifteen is not not had a good percentage out of his last fifteen stolen base attempts. I don't really care. I like the Braves being aggressive. Ronald Acuna and Michael Harris are your two best base runners. They're your two fastest players. I'm okay with being aggressive with their, with them at any, really at any point, but especially if you're talking about trying to get into scoring position. It's much easier to score from second than score from first. In a game like that, there, there was no, that didn't cost them anything. And it's a stupid talking point by the same type of people that love to have these talking points when it comes to Ronald and don't like to do it when you know, Dansby gets picked off at second base or when Dansby gets himself hung out to dry between second and third. You know, it's we, we know why it is. We know the agenda that these particular guys have. And you guys know who I'm talking about. I don't want to give him any airtime on this. I don't want to say his name because I don't want to boost any of his numbers or anything like that because he doesn't deserve it. Quite, fr quite frankly, he's an awful baseball mind that doesn't know what he's talking about at all and spends the entirety of his reporting career just quote tweeting people and looking stupid doing it. Um, but no, Ronald didn't cost that game. Bringing in Jackson Stevens in a one-run game was far more was a far bigger blunder than having Acuna try to take second. Now, that being said, um, it was good that you were able to come back like that. Uh, I, I mentioned Robbie Grossman hit that three-run bomb. He's been outstanding since he came over. That was a really, really good trade. Thank you, Chris Anglin, the guy that went back to uh, went back to Detroit for Robbie Grossman. Um, Robbie looks like he's a, a really good piece. I wouldn't be surprised if the Braves find a way to bring him back next year. Uh, I mentioned Odorizzi got blasted. Uh, the Mets aren't a big power hitting team. They're not a they're not a big home run team. They don't hit the ball particularly hard. So not great that Odorizzi gave up three bombs and gave up a lot of hard hits. That that's not particularly great. But a couple things that are great. Von Grissom with another multi hit game. I mentioned he went two for three, had two RBI score or had three RBI, scored two runs. Big, big game for Vaughn Grissom, and just par for the course for this kid. I've mentioned it a couple times before. Two for four, I should say, with three ribbies and two runs scored. He just knows how to hit, man. He knows how to swing the bat. He knows what he's doing up there. Had his first opposite field hit, ironically. That was one of the things I noticed on Tuesday was uh, all of his hits had been pulled side. Got his first opposite field hit, and then lined one down left field as well and scored another two runs in the ninth where the Braves tried to come back and got within two. Um 
really, really, I, I love watching Von Gris. Some underrated aspect has been his defense. I've been really impressed with his defense. Uh, you see videos every day on Twitter of him working with Wash way before the games where he's about the only person on the field, him and Wash. Uh, his reactions and his motions look really good at second base. He obviously has a shortstop's arm over there, and we've seen how, how much that can come into play. He's able to play a little bit deeper, makes good throws and good reads. I've been so impressed with Vaughn Grissom. Uh, Michael Harris, obviously the big news, Alex Anthopoulos did it again, and Michael Harris gets an eight-year extension, $72 million, with two option years that could take it to 10 years and $102 million. There's a lot of people upset uh, saying that they need to investigate the Braves and the Braves charity organization. Um, it makes sense if you're Alex Anthopoulos, and it makes sense if you're Michael Harris. You're the youngest player in Major League Baseball. You've had 71 games at the big league level, and now you're being told, hey, guess what? We'll buy out all your arbitration years and two to two to four of your free agency years. He can take this deal. If it just goes the eight years, then guess what? He's 29 years old on the open market. That's perfect. Perfect opportunity, still in his prime, to make a big deal if he does a, a great job. Um, if he's if he ends up hitting the two option years, the club picks up the two option years, he's still hitting free agency at 31. Enough time to get an, an, another good size deal. He's a kid that's from Stockbridge. He's a grew up a Braves fan. He wanted to be a Brave. And that's something you've seen from a lot of these guys. After what happened with Freddie Freeman, it's where the Freddie Freeman saga might end up being a good thing is – these guys that have decided that they want to be Atlanta Braves, they're looking to make those extensions as quickly as possible. Their agents aren't looking to play hardball with Alex Anthopoulos. They're looking to get stuff done. And I, I think that that's awesome. I don't, there's Always there's some inherent risk. We were talking about signing a guy that just doesn't have a lot of experience at the big league level. I mean, he, he could end up not progressing at all. He could end up not making much of an adjustment when the league adjusts to him. I don't know. It's it's never an exact science. We've seen people come up before and have really good rookie seasons and falter after that and never quite be the same. But it's $9 million. I think it's an outstanding gamble. There's no one that would look at that contract and say it's a bad contract for the Braves. $9 million average. Just on his defense alone, that would be worth it. Now, if he doesn't, if he if he gets substantially worse offensively and, oh, he doesn't walk, which he's going to walk. But let, let's just say for the sake of argument that he doesn't. Oh, well, you know, you're talking about a guy with Kevin Kiermaier-level defense who's still going to hit 20-plus homers. Um, that's perfectly fine. I mean, for $9 million, that's still a good deal. I, I think he's a superstar. I think he's going to end up being one of these. I, I keep saying that he's Mookie Betts. I, that's what I think he is. I think he's Mookie Betts type. I think that's the type of talent he is. I think he doesn't have a weakness in his game. I think the walk rate will climb as he gets more and more comfortable. Remember, he's really only had double-A experience and not a lot of that before coming up. Uh, I, 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 the sky's the limit for Vaughn Grissom. And I don't think Alex is done. Uh, now that we've gotten Riley extended, obviously the Matt Olson contract when, when he got brought over in the trade, now Michael Harris. I think Max Fried is probably next, but I've, I said this on Twitter. If Vaughn Grissom kind of keeps matching Michael Harris offensively, this offseason he'll get the same deal. Because Vaughn, now I know you're going to say Michael Harris is center fielder, so there's a little bit of a premium there. Vaughn Grissom has been an excellent defender, and it's not his fault that you know he's playing second because Dansby's there. Going forward, he might end up being the shortstop if they don't bring Dansby Swanson back. Shortstop is just as premium as center field, if not slightly more so. So if you think Vaughn Grissom is your shortstop of the future, locking him into a long deal like that at $9 million, that would be an insane thing as well. I think I, I've said it before. I think Dansby's coming back. I think Dansby will take something around 18 to 20 million per year. And then Vaughn will be your left fielder. But I think 
at that price point, $9 million, if Vaughn is the type of guy that you've seen so far, then yeah, $9 million is a steal. And I, I, I just can't say enough good things about Alex Anthopoulos right now. He is the best GM in baseball. Uh, he is a wizard. Um, he doesn't seem to really get burned on any of these extensions. The worst deals he's made have been the longer-term free agent contracts. Outside of that, he's been pretty much 100% hit rate. And I think I think we'll see Max Freed get extended too. Uh, Alex did mention that he that he's looking at an ace. The Braves are going to have quite a bit of money this offseason. And the Braves, I, just, I don't think that we need to be in this conversation of there's money coming off the books so the Braves have money to spend. I think they're just going to have money to spend anyway because I think the Braves, I, I, I think that Alex has earned that from Liberty Media. I mentioned it on Tuesday that at this point, I think it's just Alex just goes and tells them, hey, I want this guy. Here's the money it's going to take. And they say, cool, go do it. And I think that's where the Braves are at. It's a wonderful place to be. Uh, $230 million is a luxury tax threshold. So you probably still have about $20 million, 20 to twenty to thirty before you got to the $230 million mark next year. So Alex likes to keep 10 to 15 in reserve. So you still got, you know, 15 that you want to play with. I don't know. I think there's a lot of ways that the Braves could go about it. And I think we'll see tonight. I think we'll see the big fish that the Braves look for in Jacob DeGrom. DeGrom is going to opt out. And I really do think Alex mentioning he wants an ace. It could just be, you know, a precursor to re-signing or extending Max Freed, which is certainly possible because Max Freed is an ace. He's the best left-handed pitcher in baseball. It could be that they're going to go after Carlos Rodon, who uh, is going to opt out as well this offseason, or, or they could make a trade for Carlos Rodon. I think that's possible. But I think it's going to be DeGrom. DeGrom checks all the markers for Alex Anthopoulos uh, outside of the entry thing, and that's more of a Mets issue. Noah Syndergaard hasn't thrown a ton of innings this year. Hasn't really been injured, though, uh, for the first time since not being a Met. So I, I keep saying it. I think you'll see DeGrom wearing a Braves uniform. Group of Braves fan from down the same area as Chipper Jones. So I'm sure he's talked to Chipper quite a few times. Uh, you know, he likes the, he grew up watching the Braves and wants to be on a team that's going to win. The Braves are set up to be competing, at least in the World Series conversation for the next decade into the 2030s. So yeah, I, I think it's a fair, I think there's a fair chance that we see Jacob DeGrom in this rotation, uh, which by the way, I know there's a fair chance that he gets injured and misses starts. I don't care. If it's Jacob DeGrom, I'll put up with anything just to be able to watch Jacob DeGrom throw one game in a Braves uniform. Um, and now that you got that Michael Harris extension, you've got center field figured out. If Vaughn Grissom ends up being what you think, then now all of a sudden you've got seven guys that you've got locked up for long-term years. I think they'll lock up Dansby for a six- or seven-year term, probably six-year term. Um, which, again, that just means you have your entire core locked up. And I wouldn't be surprised if William Contreras gets his way into a contract extension. He's the guy, and I've mentioned it a few times here, that he's the guy that kind of goes undersold. He's the guy that doesn't get talked about quite as much. But I think he's an integral part of this team. I, obviously, he's the catcher of the future going forward, but he's also a really, just a, an outstanding hitter. Went three for four yesterday, scored two runs. He's got his season lineup, 266, 341 with a 524 slugging. He's just such a really good hitter with a beautiful swing and just fits so well into the middle of this lineup, into the five-hole. I, I think he's the five-hole hitter going forward for the Braves. Um, I think it's just such a boon to have somebody like William Contreras, and we don't talk enough about how, how much better he's gotten over the last couple of years. Just what a steal William Contreras has been. Uh, love watching him play. I think he's another guy that will get extended shortly. But I think... We would be remiss if we didn't talk about what was the best moment since Tuesday. Mike Soroka made his return to a baseball field. 
He got his first rehab start in Rome, which is now high A. Went four innings, had eight strikeouts. Uh, I think he allowed one hit. But struck out five of the first six batters or something like that. Looked absolutely phenomenal. And outside of just how he looked, it was just so great to see him get back on the mound. And he was really, he was only supposed to go three innings. But because he was so efficient with his pitches, he threw 45 pitches. 35 of them were strikes. That's the Mike Soroka that we all know and love. Struck out eight of the first nine batters he faced. Sat around 92-93, hit a few 94 miles an hour. That's right where he was before he went down both times. The changeup was a little bit harder. The sinker was outstanding. Threw a couple really good curveballs. Just, I'm so happy for Mike Soroka. And it's already started the, the wheel turning of if, if Odorizzi keeps playing like this, shocker, the guy that you traded Will Smith for straight up is not performing very well. Uh, it's, it's the first time pitching in a game since last March the 30th. He's pitched a spring training game, and I've said before, the Braves rushed him back way too early, and I really think that's why he got re-injured. But hasn't been in a major league game since August 3rd against the Mets when he tore his Achilles there. I can't wait to see Soroka get back onto a big league mount. I am fully, I am never going to doubt Mike Soroka. I didn't doubt him even when he had the Achilles injuries because I never thought he was a guy that, even if his stuff never came back to 94, he wasn't a guy that I ever looked at and thought he needed to rely on velocity or strikeouts anyway. He's a guy that is a ground ball type of guy. I've said this for years since he was coming back or since he was coming up to the system that I really think he's an Adam Wainwright type. That's what I think he is. I think you could also give Charlie Morton type comp, but I think he's Adam Wainwright. I think that's the type of guy he is. I think he's going to be one of those type of throwback pitchers. And I'm not going to count out that he actually makes it back to the rotation by September. I think he's probably three or four, probably three more starts away in the minors if he has what he's did there. 45 pitches this time. Maybe you bump him to 55, 60 is next outing. Maybe you go 65, 70 the next. And if you can get him to 80 pitches and he still feels good and everything's going well, if you tell me that he's capped at 80 pitches, you can't tell me he's not a better option than Ian Anderson or Jake Odorizzi or Kyle Muller or anybody else you're going to call up from the minors. If you tell me Soroka's capped at 80 pitches, that's five, six innings anyway. I think this seems so crazy to say, but I think we're going to see Mike Soroka pitch in the starting rotation for the Atlanta Braves. I think it's one of the reasons why the Braves didn't feel like they had to go super crazy for starting pitching this season. I think they're going to retain him. I think he's up for arbitration this year. They'll be able to get him at a low number, and they'll bring him back next year in the rotation. And I think next year, all you're going to essentially see in the rotation is you might see them sub out Charlie Morton with Jacob DeGrom. <laughs> Do you know how crazy that could be? Where you go DeGrom, Max Freed, Spencer Strider, Kyle Wright, Mike Soroka, that's absolutely insane. And then it's it could it could conceivably happen. I mean, there there is a real possibility that the Braves are able to do that. And I think if you get Soroka back this year, you know, if he do, if he comes up and he and he's, you know, pitching to a 3-8, that's incredible. If he comes up and he's pitching to a 4-2, I still don't really care as long as he's doing what what needs to be done and really to be perfectly honest, I just want to see Mike Soroka back with the Atlanta Braves. I'll be that's the homer in me there. I, if he comes up and he gets blasted, I, I don't care. I really don't. I just want to see him back on the mound for the Atlanta Braves. I just want to see him get all the way back and, and be ready and raring to go for next year because 
he's just such an awesome guy and he's had to deal with so much. I just, I just want to see him get back to it. And I don't have any doubts that when he comes up, he's going to be looking like vintage Mike Soroka. Now, will it be a little bit of rust versus big league hitters? Absolutely. Do we need to bear in mind that it's a guy who's had plenty of major league experience taking on high A guys? Sure. Why not? I, obviously, that you, you do need to bear it in mind. Soroka's not the biggest strikeout guy. He's not going to have eight of nine strikeouts in the big leagues, most likely. I don't care, though. The, what he was doing afterwards with the ground ball outs, that's something that is, that is Mike Soroka to a T. His sinker has all the same movement and still same velocity. His changeup was a little bit faster. His slider had a little bit more depth. His curve looked good. He looked outstanding. And what a comeback for Mike Soroka. That's what I really want the takeaway from this to be. Yeah, game three didn't end up being like I wanted it to be. Yeah, I thought the Braves wasted an opportunity to steal a game against Max Scherzer and really put the pressure on Jacob deGrom and Buck Walter to really get this going and to burn Edwin Diaz and really put the onus on DeGrom to go deep into tonight's game. But you know what? Nothing can cloud over today's episode because Mike Soroka is going to be back in the big leagues before this season is over. And nothing can dent that. I still, I still think the Braves are a better team than the Mets. I think we'll see that going forward. And it was announced that you're getting Max Freed tonight. Max Freed is coming off of the concussion IL. So it's going to be ace versus ace. It's going to be Max Freed versus Jacob DeGrom. It's another reason why last night kind of irritated me because clearly both teams are approaching this series as if it's a make or break series. So it doesn't make a lot of sense to me to just punt with your bullpen when you have a chance to steal a game. But we are going to see Max Freed versus Jacob DeGrom. And that is going to be a big time matchup. Max, like Spencer, going to be looking for a little bit of payback against these Mets. Hopefully he can take a page out of Spencer's book. Max, we know, doesn't have any issues pitching to contact. The Mets haven't had the same type of luck that they had in New York as far as the bloops and everything like that. That's not something you can really plan on. So we'll see if it's vintage Max Free tonight. We'll see how deep he can go. If he's good and he's he's really doesn't have any ill effects, you know he's looking to go at least seven. That's what Max is looking to do every time out there. We'll see if that can happen. We'll see if the, if the Braves can scratch a couple across against Jacob deGrom. In this matchup, you feel like if you score two runs or you score three runs, you're winning the game. So we'll see how it goes tonight. Max Freed on the bump against Jacob DeGrom. But the big takeaway from this for everybody out there, Mike Soroka on his way back. Can't wait to see that. Can't wait to see the matchup tonight. I love watching Max Freed, and I really love watching Jacob DeGrom. The Braves win tonight. They end up, they leave this series three and a half games back in the Mets. That's perfectly good work. That's what you want them to see. Worst case, you don't get any worse and you end up still five and a half back. But you take this from the Mets, you feel really good. It's a nice punch back to them, sends a message back to them. And the Braves feel good going forward. We'll see how this turns out tonight. 7-20 first pitch with Max Fried and Jacob DeGrom. And we will be back again on Tuesday here for the 643 podcast. Saturday morning on 680 The Fan, 9 to 11. I'm sure we'll be talking about all the same stuff. Tune in with me and follow us along as we get ready and raring towards September and towards the playoff push going forward. Still in short, thank you guys for tuning in for the 643 podcast. And that's all, folks. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. 
How? The power of a conversation, like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves' 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.